Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, a bit about the designated hitter, and ask me questions if I was confusing. Some topics keep popping up. And when they keep popping up, it's important for me, I think, to talk about them from an analytical, from a logical perspective, irrespective of anyone's emotions. You can love the designated hitter. You can hate the designated hitter. Either one's fine. I I don't give a toss. It can be completely reprehensible to you that the, de- that the rules have been changed to allow designated hitters. Or you could be of the variety that the rules should be the way they were in 1871 and teams should be able to have no more than 10 players on their team at all. Either way, fine with me. No worries. You can love the DH. You can hate the DH. You can love the three pitcher, three batter pitcher rule, or you can hate it. Whichever way is fine with me. I really don't care. What I want to talk about is the logical side of the designated hitter. And there's something that just popped up. It didn't just pop up today, but it popped up enough times for me to decide I want to comment on it. First thing about the designated hitter. It originated in 1973 in the American League. And Ron Bloomberg was the first designated hitter. Now, it had been seriously considered in 1969. It had been somewhat considered back, oh, I don't know, what was it, about in the teens, 1920s? Um, It had been seriously considered for the National League in about 1977, 1978. And the craziest, flukiest explanation for why it, it was a complete accident that the designated hitter did not get passed into the National League. Look into it. Um, Effectively, one of the owners who was going to be voting on the designated hitter decided he was going on a vacation. He absolutely needed a vacation. And he told one specific person to make his vote for him because after all, this was pre-Skyping stuff in. So the person had to be present. And he said, I want you to vote in this specific fashion. And it was either in the same fashion that one other team did or completely the opposite. So it was either if these guys vote yes, you vote no, or if these guys vote yes, you vote yes. And the guy went all fully expecting to do that. But at the last minute, something came up 
and he had to contemplate whether he wanted to wanted to change his vote or not. And well, pitchers kept hitting. It it really bizarre story, almost as bizarre as how the St. Louis Spirits owners are still getting paid NBA TV money. Just bizarre. Um. Again, you can love the designated hitter. You can hate the designated hitter. Either one is fine. You can listen to this podcast and enjoy either one. However, there are two things to mind. One, having the designated hitter is a huge developmental advantage for American League teams. Why? Because some players are best fit as designated hitters. And I'm not talking the old dude who's, you know, 35 years old and Edwin Encarnacion or Nelson Cruz or anybody. I'm not talking about those types of players. I'm talking about, imagine a team sends out a scout to look into a kid either from Venezuela or possibly from an SEC school. Either one applies. That's the cool part about it. It makes perfect sense internationally, or it makes perfect sense at a major college university, uh, major baseball university. The scout goes out and looks at the kid and says, I love his bat, and I hate his defense. Those guys exist. Not everybody is good at everything. Some players are really good on offense and really bad on defense. Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, they come to mind. Juan Gonzalez from back a few years ago. And if an organization realizes by the time the player reaches double A, He's going to have to be swinging a bat and playing a position. That player has less value. Let's use the Venezuelan example. Let's say the scout goes out and realizes this kid has a $2 million bat. He's got $0.34 cent glove. There is no way in the world we can send this guy out to play left field or first base when he gets to double A because he hits, but he doesn't do anything else. The National League scout, how do you deal with that? $2 million bat, 34-cent glove. What sort of offer for a signing bonus do you offer? $2 million bat, 34-cent glove. Well, you go 850000 Million, million two, million three, maybe. Meanwhile, the 15 American League teams see, oh, $2 million bet. Uh, okay, let's see, uh, 2.1 might get him. So we're going to offer 2.1 because we want to get this guy. Guy either accepts or he doesn't, but he's certainly not going to prioritize a $835,000 signing bonus over a 2.1 signing bonus. So the players who are big beasts with really good bats and potentially really horrible gloves go to American League teams and teams in the National League don't have those players. They just don't. 
in the draft. Same kid, same type of kid. $2 million bat, 35-cent glove. What round do you draft him in? If you're a National League club and you have to put the guy out defensively, he's going to be a defensive liability. If we put him in left, he's going to cost us games. I don't know. Can, can we draft him in the fourth round, the fifth round maybe? Maybe the, maybe the fifth round. Okay, we'll get him in the fourth round. American League teams. Oh, $2 million bet. Let's get him pick 36. What? How can you get him pick 36? He can't play defense because we're an American League team and we don't care. We want to see guys who hit the old uh, exit velocity and launch angle and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to hit the ball 445 feet in a game against you guys. And you're going to say, oh, man, that guy can really hit. Too bad he only had a 35-cent glove, so we didn't want him. Similarly, when National League teams are putting together their minor league rosters, I know a lot of people don't really care about the minor league roster, but when you're putting together a minor league roster in the National League, the pitchers hit. So what that means is when your starting pitcher gets to the sixth inning, you're going to pull him out. Maybe the seventh inning. Maybe the fifth inning anymore. And depending upon when the pitcher was due, you might double switch. So let's say the seventh batter made the last out in the inning that you're pulling the pitcher out. So instead of bringing in a relief pitcher and having him stay in the ninth spot, you switch the relief pitcher to the seventh spot and bring in a different player and have him bat in the ninth spot. So that way you can still have a hitter hitting and you can still have a relief pitcher in, but you you know, you know kind of game the system. Well, that's fine until the game keeps going and you double switch out four guys and now all of a sudden it gets to the ninth or 10th inning and you only have, you don't have any bench bats left because you used all of them. This year in the postseason, the Reds and the Braves had a game that went 13 innings. If not for a timely hit by the Braves, it might have gone 17 innings. But you know what? Because the designated hitter was in play, everybody had legitimate hitters in the entire game. Everybody had legitimate hitters in the entire game because the designated hitter didn't make it essential to pinch hit for the pitcher or double switch or any of that kind of stuff. Now, that's not saying you should like the designated hitter or dislike the designated hitter, but in that specific game, even though nobody was hitting, the lineups were still entirely legitimate into the 13th inning, and based on the players that were remaining, it might have gone 14, 15 innings without having it look really funny. Whereas, if you have a National League game with the pitcher hitting, you're going to have it looking really funny by the 10th inning. You're going to be entirely out of bats. Your pinch hitter will be a pitcher. And your the guy who's hitting behind your best hitter might well be a pitcher. Because that's how things go. I'm not telling you how to think about the designated hitter as far as whether you prefer it to no designated hitter. However, having the designated hitter keeps the game integrity well into the 11th, 12th, 13th innings. That's all old. That's all old stuff. 
I could have said that three, four years ago. I had said that three, four years ago. However, there is a new comment about designated hitters that I kind of think I'd probably better talk about because it's really popular now and it's ridiculous. By the way, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcasts. The numbers are up. I'm doing my own version of trying to recruit people who might be interested in the podcast. And if you know of anyone who is on, oh, maybe a Cubs Facebook group or in your own personal circle or a relative or a neighbor or whatever, somebody who's a big Cubs fan, encourage them to listen to, pick out a podcast that you think would work for them. Maybe they would consider a podcast on the designated hitter to be worth listening to. Who knows? Now, most of the people that I'm interested in, well, most of the people that this podcast will work for are the people who are going to look more at the logical side of things, or at least accept the logical side of things as they look at baseball in a very emotional fashion. Anchor allows sponsorships. Should you be interested in that either way, I very much appreciate you listening to the podcast and thinking of people who might be interested in the podcast, all the while possibly maybe considering what sort of project you want to spend 30 weeks, 30 weeks, 30 minutes a week on as you prepare for the 2012, 2012, wow, 30 minutes a week on to prepare for the 2021 season. Maybe follow a college baseball team, maybe follow, become more familiar with the Cardinals pipeline, or maybe research players who you would be good with the Cubs drafting at 21. Any of those kind of things are along the lines of the homework I'm encouraging people to do. Now, back to the designated hitter. There is something that, (sighs) on two different hands, I really don't like this mindset, and it seems to be quite prevalent. I don't like the designated hitter because the Cubs couldn't take advantage of it. Huh? What? The designated hitter, whether you enjoy it or not, shouldn't be based on did the 2020 Cubs have designated hitters on hand to take advantage of the situation. It was a complete accident the 2020 had the designated hitter in the National League. It was a complete accident only because with the COVID and the shutdown and the people wearing masks and fans not being in the arena, that is why the designated hitter got rushed in. That the Cubs didn't have nine or even seven or even six really high quality offensive hitters is not a good reason to, I don't like this rule. If you don't like that the Cubs don't have enough hitters, object 
to the Cubs not having hitters. Don't object to the Cubs not taking full advantage of the designated hitter. Those are two entirely different problems. I don't like wearing shoes because I wear an 11, but the shoe I wear is only a 9. Now, if you're in that situation, it does kind of suck that the only shoe you can afford or have or have access to is two sizes smaller than what you should be wearing. Now, that is a bad situation. And if you're in that situation or someone else who's in that situation, my heart goes out to you. But that's not a reason to not like shoes. Shoes are about protecting the feet when you go, particularly when you go outside or you're anywhere around glass or anything like that. Shoes are for protecting your feet. Don't assess whether you like shoes or not, whether on whether you have properly sized shoes or not. With the designated hitter, if the Cubs are horrible at the designated hitter, it's probably because they're horrible at developing enough depth offensively to properly have a, defense, a, a good designated hitter. The Cubs hit 220. Of course they're not going to hit very well. Kind of obvious. If you can't hit a position that's entirely dependent on hitting, you're probably not going to be able to do very well. Kind of, kind of basic. Don't get upset at the designated hitter because Victor Caratini was the guy that the Cubs used. Victor Caratini should not be a designated hitter regularly. I'm frankly surprised that the Cubs got away with it and neither Contreras nor Caratini got injured for two or three weeks. I didn't even want to say that during the season. I was staring at it the entire year. How can you do this? And expect neither one of them to get hurt. Well, neither one of them got hurt. Congratulations on that. But Caratini's not a designated hitter. If if the league is going to have a designated hitter, the Cubs need to have someone better than that. Otherwise, they're going to lose more ground to the Dodgers than they already are. If you like the designated hitter, have it be for something other than the Cubs didn't utilize it very well. You, you can use whatever reason you want. Maybe you like to see pitchers hit. Maybe the uh, Kyle Hendricks single one time out of five really makes your day. Or maybe you prefer to see actually good hitters hitting one time out of every nine through the rotation. And maybe you prefer uh, pitchers only pitching instead of pitchers hitting. Whatever your reason, have that be your reason. Don't have your reason for liking the designated hitter or disliking the designated hitter being, well, the Cubs took advantage of it. I'm getting really critical of the Cubs executives and their inability to develop hitters. Simply put, I, I sent in an article to Al that's probably going to run this weekend at some point along those lines, and I was, is pretty much, is borderline hostile. Um, if the executives aren't doing their job, the executives should be held to the fire, 
not the designated hitter role. I think I'm in fa- I'm in favor of the designated hitter rule staying permanently because American League teams have a developmental advantage over National League teams when, for instance, a Jose Abreu or a Albert Bell or a Miguel Cabrera has a whole lot more value in the American League than the National League. Even it out, just let the pitchers pitch, let the hitters hit, and split it that way. That's why if you want to think of it differently, then by all means, go ahead, but don't have... Have your reason that you think you get a whole lot more out of baseball when you see a pitcher batting effectively. Use the old... Bob Gibson and Fergie Jenkins used to be able to hit, so these guys ought to be able to. Now, there are reasons that's not likely to happen, but if you want to go with that, go with it. Have at it. Don't base your interest in or your preference for the designated hitter on how crappy the Cubs hit. That's absurd. If the Cubs know that for the next umpteen years, they're going to have designated hitters in their lineup. They will pot commit more to drafting hitters. And by my goodness, I hope they get about doing that really quickly because it's not about clutchness. It's not about any that kind of garbage. It's about how good are your players. The Cubs players aren't good enough to keep up with Tampa. The Cubs talent isn't good enough to keep up with the Dodgers. The Cubs talent isn't good enough to keep up with the Yankees. It's not even good enough to keep up with the Braves who beat the snot out of the Marlins who took the Cubs two in a row in Wrigley Field. It's about the talent. Get the talent better. Develop the talent better. Trade more effectively to have long-term assets instead of short-term assets, don't base your opinion of the DH on how mediocre Victor Caratini was at it. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe, go Cubs, go, and be nice to people.